Hey, welcome back. It's another great episode this week on 60 Seconds in the Microwave. Uh, on this week's episode, I caught up with Twyla Verhelst from 2080 Financial and also Helm. So, Twyla is a Canadian entrepreneur from Calgary, Alberta, and she is an accountant that has very interestingly taken the leap of faith into the tech world. Her and her business partner, Kelvin, decided to solve a problem which they've been experiencing in their firm with their clients and that problem is around cash flow management and Twyla shares a really interesting story for how they they navigated through the process of building that app being two accountants with no product management or engineering background so it's it's really impressive to see what the final result is with helm and now we can learn a little bit about the behind the scenes action let's jump into it we'll go straight into it uh, i always open with this particular question uh twyla who are you and what do you do today <laughs> So I am a CPA, but really an entrepreneurial CPA. I actually became a CPA as my plan B. (laughs) I never intended to be an accountant really full time. And what I do today is I'm the co-founder and co-owner of 2080 Financial, which is an advisory accounting firm, as well as the co-founder of Helm, which is a cash flow software. I don't think it's super common to have someone who is a CPA that comes from that traditional background also call themselves an entrepreneur. Um, We'd love to just dive in a little bit deeper as to what does an entrepreneur mean to you from someone that comes from that quite formal uh, and traditional CPA background? Yeah, you know what? I grew up in an entrepreneurial home. My parents were small business owners. I lived in a really small town in Manitoba. And so I grew up in their business, which is why I never really intended to be an accountant full-time. At the time when I took my schooling, I thought the world will always need accountants. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now I would say that's kind of starting to prove itself wrong because we're automated away a lot of the accounting role. But you know, to be an entrepreneur and an accountant, I always thought that that could go hand in hand. I wanted to navigate my way into what I want to be when I grow up mm-hmm. based on what went on in my life. And, you know, if you look at my resume, it's very much a splatter of a lot of different things because I was really navigating my way, trying to figure out what was calling me, where my skill set best lied, and how I could bring that into something that could be a business. And so I think now I'm seeing in this industry more entrepreneurial style of accountants because of the fact that accounting is being automated away. And so in order to really provide some extra value to your clients, you have to have an entrepreneurial mindset, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. And so I think that we're seeing that more commonly, which is awesome because it means that we can relate to our user base so much more and really get inside of what it is that's making them tick and what it is that they need to do to help their clients. What happened to the business? My parents sold it. My parents have retired. Good result then. Yeah, yeah. Is 2080 Financial, was that your first 
business venture? Uh, no, I actually owned and operated a mortgage business oh, before great. that. Yeah. yeah. So I became a CPA. I got a controller role and then decided, you know, this wasn't necessarily, again, I hadn't signed up to be an accountant full time. Mm-hmm. And so I ventured into a few things. I owned and operated a mortgage business that I actually sold when I moved out of Lethbridge. And then uh, I dabbled a little bit in, in recruiting for accountants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was kind of like a, an arm's length away from the accounting industry. Um, and then had the opportunity to start 2080 Financial with Kelvin. And yeah, it's been uh, <laughs> it's been 2080 and then home ever since. And the journey of starting 2080 with Kelvin, how did you guys, how did you guys meet? What's the, the story there? Does he have as much of a work ethic as what you do? Um, how do you guys work together? Yeah, great questions. I mean, uh, we met through my husband. So my husband and Kelvin were roommates back in the time when they were bachelors. So mm-hmm. a time that nobody really speaks about now. <laughs> no <laughs> and, questions. Yeah, and, and when anything, anytime anything gets brought up around, I'm like, I, I actually don't really want to know what yeah. happened. <laughs> um, and so when we first met, we both seem to have a similar style in terms of an approach to helping small businesses. And from the first time that we met, I remember us talking about, you know, maybe one day we'll work together in some capacity. And it was it was interesting because, you know, even though he was such good friends with my husband, my husband's not as entrepreneurial. And yet Calvin and I both seem to have the same entrepreneurial mindset and the same initiative to help other people, especially small businesses. So when the opportunity arose for us to start 2080, um, we, we really just grabbed at it. And my very first accounting role right out of university was actually a firm very similar to 2080 so ahead of its time I mean we were doing flat fee pricing we were doing advisory work I was doing the grunt work of course and that was the day of desktop and so I was the person doing the data entry but it was very much the same model back in 1998 and 1999 so we basically modeled 2080 off of that but kind of the new age current tech embraced (laughs) advisory firm and to speak to Calvin's work ethic, yes, 110%. He has the same work ethic I do, which I think helps because when you're working long hours and you really, really care about your business and your clients and where your business is headed next, if only one person in your partnership has that same mentality, I can't imagine how how difficult that would be and how frustrating that would be to be the one side that's putting all the work and the other side. I mean, actually, we've seen it. We've seen clients who that has been their case and it's ended really not very nicely because one person person's put in so much work and the other person's kind of along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't have an employee mentality in a partnership when the other partner has got very much a workhorse mentality. Totally. <laughs> I was, um, I've been watching the Bill Gates um, Netflix yeah, story yeah. at the moment, which is really interesting. And Bill preaches his like he believes in in a hard work ethic. And I think one of the things he said um, about the early years of founding Microsoft was, "It's a part time job. Everyone gets to choose which twelve hours in the day they want to work," um, which I thought was pretty interesting. And I think that's kind of how he's he's always been very self-sufficient and reliant upon his own ability to work really hard, but maybe it isn't as easy to find other people that you can partner with that have that same um, level of intensity around applying themselves to a common goal. I almost feel with Calvin and I that we lucked out that it works and, you know, 
it, and I don't know how many questions you can really ask of somebody to find that out before you get into a partnership with them where then you're like, oh, shoot, this isn't working. And so, you know, other than to kind of look back over their own history and how much success they've had and really get a feel for how important is it to move forward with your business versus how important is it to make sure that you're, you know, you're done every day at, at three o'clock and that you never open up your laptop again for the rest of the day. And so, uh, you know, to find somebody that really you can collaborate with, that you are on the same page. I, I can't, I can't imagine what it would be like any other way because I think it would just be so difficult, but yet to really vet that person and know that they are that person because sometimes stress can bring out some qualities that you didn't see before you got together. And, um, you know, until you reach a stressful point, it's really difficult to see that. And so I think that if I can recommend to somebody in terms of going down the road of being a partner, you know, there's this theory of if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. And I believe in that, but you've got to find that right person. Yeah. Um, the yin and yang, <laughs> I can't even say it. <laughs> yin and yang effect um, is what a lot of people talk about. At some point, there has to be common shared values between the two of you in order for you to be able to complement each other and and do it well together. I think, especially for entrepreneurs starting out for the first time, and I even fell victim to this, I was always looking for someone to complement me in everything that I was essentially bad at or didn't want to do. Um, but I think if you can find a partner that you have mutual appreciation for what the other one is strong at and you work on uh, what your weaknesses may be together as, as a team, then that seems to be um, more of a progressive or um, positive way of, of approaching a partnership. Um, so, no, it's, it's great the way that, that you put that together. Um, it was really nice. And you guys have done a lot together. So, <laughs> you started the firm. You've grown the firm. It's quite a successful firm based in Calgary, Alberta. Um, right. And then you decided to found a technology business together, which by the sounds of it, neither of you have had any uh, previous experience in. Take <laughs> us through that thought process and, and how that came about. Uh, yeah, no no experience in. And even yesterday, I kind of described it as we ended up in tech almost by accident. And, uh, you know, about a year and a half ago, we really recognized that we had a gap in the tech that we were using for our clients and couldn't find a tool that would fill that gap. And we embraced technology in the very early stages of our of owning our accounting firm because we we actually had a team of 10 that we scaled back to just Kelvin and I when we fully embraced tech keeping the same level of clients. Wow. And so we've built it back up since, but we brought it all the way down slowly to just him and I. And we became the workhorses again, and we were reconciling banks again, but we really wanted to see what was the power of tech and what kind of efficiencies could we gain? What does the workflow need to look like in order to do that? And so when we were embracing the tech so much and really gaining so many efficiencies, our efficiencies seemed to come to a grinding halt when it came to doing cash flow advisory. And mm -hmm. so for us, we sat there saying, it's so frustrating because we've got so much gains in tech, yet 
the biggest piece that our clients want to know is, and am I going to be able to make payroll next week? And that's what's keeping them up at night. And so in order to provide that service, we were having to do a very laborious and manual and error-prone process, which was using Excel. Mm -hmm. And it works to use Excel, but it's all of those things. It's inefficient. It's error-prone. So yeah, we were literally in the office one day saying, why don't we just build it? Because we had tried every app that was available at that time and said, let's just do this. And it was almost like we had made that decision so fast that we couldn't even get out of it, that it was like, okay, how much money are we putting in and let's get started. And it's probably a good thing because perhaps, you know, sometimes in entrepreneurship, if you really know what's in front of you exactly, you might not take that chance because it is a lot of work. It can be frustrating. You know, you've got this market that's moving so quickly in terms of tech and it was an unknown, unknown waters for us. And so a year and a half ago is when we decided and then we launched our product in June of 2019. And so we have had an interesting experience to date where we outsourced our entire dev team, then brought it in house earlier this year. That's been an experience in and of itself is that transition from outsource to in-house. But, you know, luckily for us along the way, our outsource team and our current dev team really saw the product and the vision and what we were trying to achieve. And for Kelvin, very much the product needs to be extremely uh, smart and intuitive, which I like that too, but truthfully for me, it has to look really good. And for me, if it doesn't inspire (laughs) me, I'm not going to stay in it. And even if it does all the functionality, if I don't enjoy spending time in there, I just won't. And so um, it had to meet a lot of criteria in order to even get to market and be something that we were comfortable putting to beta and then launching. Which is very similar to uh, how Xero started as well. I mean, Xero's tagline, beautiful accounting software in the beginning, um, always had that user-centric design component to it. Um, I can totally see how you and Kelvin (laughs) complement each other on the design and functionality (laughs) side. So I'm actually really, I'm not surprised at all um, knowing both of you over the past couple of years that you've ended up in the tech world. Um, And it sounds like from your experience, having a very progressive and advisory-focused firm is whilst the firm that you first started your career in was um, was doing it at back then, it's mm-hmm. still not that common um, to find firms that are fully invested in providing that, that advisory service offering to their clients. There's still uh, a lot of traditional service-based businesses within the accounting industry. So you guys have always been, to me, at the, the front end of the, the technology adoption curve. So to see you pivot into <laughs> the technology industry is not surprising. Um, But I think what is really impressive and somewhat of an unknown is I don't think many people have managed to successfully move away from the traditional service-based business into successfully running a tech business without a tech founder. And you touched on it then with going outsourced and in-house. Can you maybe just tell us a little bit about how you even decided to go outsourced in the very beginning and some of the factors that you were looking to consider? Yeah, I mean... As you just said, we did start to realize that we were a little bit on the front end of the curve in terms of not being a traditional accounting firm and embracing tech very early and also doing, you know, value-based pricing and advisory services. That's all that we've ever done in 2018. And so once we realized that we were that, and then we were also wanting to create an app that was suited for that type of firm or that type of advisory uh, organization, then 
we knew it was risky. We knew it was risky to create a product that not everybody would be ready for yet. And so because of that risk, we said, you know, we could hire our own group. But, you know, here we are in the accounting industry preaching the idea of having an outsourced accounting department. I mean, that's what 2080 was. We, and still is, we are bookkeeping through to CFO level advisory. So if we believe in that model in accounting space, why would we not believe in that model in the tech space? And so when we took on an outsourced dev team, that gave us access to front end, back back end, a CTO, marketing and you know branding they helped us with all of that Mm -hmm. all areas that we were not good at and so you know that really was between the cost factor and then the factor of the that we had embraced that within the accounting it just made sense and so then it was only once we took it to beta and realized that this is a viable product and that other people can see the vision that's when we said, okay, let's bring it in-house and hire our own team and now create a culture that, you know, is in line with our values and also sees the vision of what the product of Helm is going to look like and do for the years of race, which is mainly the small business accountants and advisors and bookkeepers. I think there might be a few accountants listening that are maybe getting <laughs> itchy feet and some ideas. Uh, <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an accountant and I've never started a a tech firm or, or a um, built an app before. I'm very curious to know how involved you guys have had to be in that building phase with the outsourced um, pr- firm or provider. Like what what was because you were still you're still running the firm. Like what was your nine to five like whilst building this app that you've had no experience building before. Well, firstly, it wasn't nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought you might leave with that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it's funny because we often get the comment of, you know, before we launched Helm was, oh, that's fun that you've got this side gig. And we're like, no, 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 it's not really a side gig. It yeah. actually feels like we have two full-time jobs yep. right now. And so it still feels like that. But, um, you know, the involvement from day one was very, very hands-on because if we were going to be putting in our own money, we wanted to make sure the product was what we needed, that it would solve the pain point, but also be something that other people would enjoy using. And so it's been heavy involvement. And, you know, up until probably six or so months ago, Kelvin and I were both really involved with that development. Then we got to the point where we really ramped up our marketing and our community presence in the industry. And so we've had to segregate duties because we just can't each do it all when we still have the firm. And that's helped a lot because now he works fairly closely with the dev team. I'm more out in the community and doing the marketing and doing some other initiatives that are just getting us more you know, connected to the community and, and giving back to the community. And so we complement one another well in that respect. Uh, you know, we often will call one another like the male-female version that were very similar, um, but it's worked well to have him being the one who's so tied to that dev team because he's got that, like his, his, his aim for the product has always been and it's going to be very, very functional and very efficient. And the the user experience is going to be very, very impressive versus mine is, 
you know, let's talk to you about, you know, if you're talking about accountants or bookkeepers or itchy feet, okay, let's talk to you about cash flow and whether or not you're ready to start to give this service to your clients. And what do you need to know about cash flow before you even start to use the tool? So that's become more my space. What does it mean to you to be a female entrepreneur that is very quickly becoming very successful? Like, what does that, what does that mean to you? You know, I was earlier this year that I recognized that that was actually a role because prior to now, I've always been very supported by the men that I've worked with. I mean, I talked about my very first job in accounting and that boss, he pushed me to the point that that I actually thought he didn't like me because he would push me so much. And it was actually because he believed in me. And I've always been very supported by men. Kelvin, you know, he's he's never made me feel like I don't deserve a seat at the table or that my opinion doesn't matter. But then earlier this year, when I started to get more exposed to the accounting industry, I realized that we aren't as diverse and balanced as we would like to be, which made me super aware of the fact that I had an opportunity right in front of me to lead by example and to demonstrate by example and to really put myself out there saying like, look, I'm I'm an introvert. <laughs> I've had struggles with confidence in the past, you know, and I'm five foot three, so I don't walk into the room and take it over. Uh, but I can still demonstrate what it's like to be a female in now the accounting space, but also the tech space, which is also predominantly led by men. So, you know, it's been um, the last six or eight months has been the most exciting of my entire career because of the fact that that is an opportunity that's there. And it's fun to be part of the shift where we are becoming more diversified and women are, you know, um, earning and giving, getting seats at the table and the balance is happening. It's not entirely there. And even in the tech space, it's not there, but it's happening. And so to be part of that is super inspiring and it's part of my role, I believe, to empower other women to take that seat at the table and do whatever you need to do to feel comfortable and confident to take the seat at the table. I, um, that was, I really like how how you approached that and that's how, and that's how you feel. I think that's, it's very needed, especially in the industries that, that we're in accounting and tech, like you mentioned, I believe in having in any decision that anyone ever makes, um, whether it's as a, as a business, uh, as a startup, uh, as a group of friends. I just, I believe in having the balanced approach, but I think you rightly pointed out, like it's not balanced right now. Um, and I think that that is going to continue to be a problem unless we break that cycle somehow. And I love that you're keen and motivated to contribute to breaking that cycle. What advice would you give to anyone else that is looking to break that cycle, not just necessarily on gender, but trying to break the cycle where there is an unbalanced um, diversity and inclusion platform. Um, what advice would you give to anyone aspiring to break that and make it balanced? In terms of y- your hiring, in terms of building out a team, in terms of who you're going to work with, you know, even if you're engaging with another business, are they making efforts consciously to be diversified. And so firstly, to just create that awareness around it in your own mind and in your own culture, in your company or your organization. And then secondly, you know, depending on where you are in that, if, you, if you're a man, I mean, from an outside perspective, my advice to the men is to 
support the women who are trying to create the diversity and to really, you know, like I said with Kelvin, he, he's very much supportive of it. Uh, and so that's the role of a man is to, in my opinion, is to support the women who are trying to empower one another and to help with that balance. If you're a woman or someone of color or of a different um, ethnicity and you're trying to create some diversity, I think it's recognizing your role because in all honesty, and I mean, I've spoke to some women about this who say, I don't, I don't actually want that seat at the table because I'm an introvert and I just don't want that to be my role. And it's like, perfect. That's still fine because you can definitely contribute. You can be a cheerleader for the women who are trying to get at the table, or you can be a cheerleader for the ethnicities or the cultures that are trying to get a seat at the table. There's still a role for you. It just looks different than those of us who are saying, nope, let me pull up a seat, I'm here. And so I think it's being conscious of then what role you want to have and making the effort to be that. So whether it's a cheerleader or one who's actually taking the mic because there's the opportunity to grab it. Mm -hmm. And it's, I know it's not easy um, because it is anytime you are trying to shift or break, break a trend um, and shift the paradigm, it's not going to be easy. Um, how would you rate your resilience as a skill on a, on a scale of one to 10? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I do think because I had parents who are really hard workers that that certainly has helped. I also have a daughter with autism and I'll tell you, I've always felt that I've been super motivated and super resilient, but that changed 12 years ago when I realized that my resilience had n definitely not reached its peak. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, even to me, diversity means having people at the table who have different skill sets because here she is, she's got, you know, she's a female and she's got, you know, some extra needs. And so um, that then has created a, a high level of resilience, flexibility, motivation, you know, I was told this line that really has stuck with me and it's that the girls and the young women coming behind you are counting on you to fill the shoes of that role. And that could come with a lot of weight <laughs> and some, mm -hmm. some that you're carrying a big, big load. But that spoke to me because, you know, the women who have, who have paved the way before us, they've made big strides. I mean, if you rewind to hundreds of years ago, women couldn't vote. There were so many things. And uh, you know, there's been major changes. And so it's to keep those changes progressing forward. I think there's two sides to the coin, the equation, whatever we want to call it. Um, what advice would you give to any leader of any team out there, not just in the tech or the accounting industry? What advice would you give them to make sure that we are creating the platform for more and more folks to contribute to that more balanced workforce? I mean, to keep presenting them with that opportunity because sometimes we don't necessarily have the courage the first time that we're asked. And, you know, if, if I'm on the receiving end of that and I say, well, the first time I'm asked, hey, can you take the mic? And, you know, I say no. And then I'm asked again. It's like, mm, maybe, but maybe still no. And then if you ask me a couple more times, if I'm somebody who's never taken it before, I might start to think about the fact that, hey, somebody might just want to hear what I have to say. And the fact that I'm getting asked a few times is that reassurance that somebody does want to hear what I say. So I think it's to give more than one opportunity, even sometimes to the same individual, to participate and to have that role or to take that mic and to contribute to your company or your organization. So it can't be the token 
extension of the olive branch, it has to be consistent. It has to be repetitive. It almost has to just become ingrained that the opportunities will continue to be available and we really want to foster a culture or an environment where people can feel safer and safer uh, and more supported to be able to share their opinion, to be able to stand up, to be able to take the mic. Because I guess it's similar to the like the technology ad- adoption curve, which we spend a lot of time talking about um, as, a, as a tech platform in the accounting industry. Like not every client, not every accountant is ready to take on the newest piece of technology today. Um, there are the evangelists, the early adopters, and it can sometimes take some time for other firms and other clients to feel ready to go on that, that journey. Um, but I think rightly so to your point like if we can all just collectively agree that we we are going on this journey and we need to make sure that we are always open to creating the opportunities and if there's no one to take take advantage of that opportunity today that doesn't mean that we stop it just means that we find other ways to give people confidence to take that opportunity and then momentum will start to build that snowball effect um, and more and more people will feel like they can have a voice in building that balance that balanced culture Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's been years and years that have got us to this point and we've got a lot of habits that have put us into the position that we are in and a lot of history that's put us in the position that that we're in, which is why I said I don't know that we'll see the diversity be fully balanced in our lifetimes, but hopefully in our kids' lifetimes that that's more likely to be the case because we are breaking some really old habits. So it's going to take some time. What's next for Helm? What are you guys looking forward to and what's on the horizon? Um, you know, we do have some, some a phase two planned out that we want to get into next year, which will be more the payment platform, creates more of a workflow platform. So super Ooh, excited about that. That's the hook. <laughs> Just let the, Tell cat, us more. let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> yeah, we're super excited about that. And when you talk to Calvin, he's definitely excited about that because he's so much into processes. And, um, you know, I think to really help with efficiency efficiencies then because then it helps with efficiencies as well as being able to offer a new service for your clients so that's definitely on the dev side phase two so we're super pumped about that and then uh yeah globally i mean a lot of our beta testers actually were in australia and so we've got a global presence which has been super exciting awesome I'm, uh, I'm glad to hear that you've got some testers from australia <laughs> <laughs> um it's that time The podcast is called 60 Seconds in the Microwave. The best piece of advice in 60 seconds or less. Um, What what advice would you give anyone embarking on this entrepreneurship journey? You know, being an entrepreneur is really hard work. And so my advice is to ensure that you, before you start down this journey, or even if you've already started on it, you can still tweak it, but take the time to recognize what it is that you feel compelled to do. So what it is that you have as a skill set that you can offer to somebody and make a business out of it. And then you're being driven by something that you're passionate about because the money won't push you through from my experience at the times when the work is hard and that you have to do things that you don't want to do that it's tough. It's tough to be an entrepreneur. And so what gets you through is that you've are doing something that you're super passionate about, you feel very driven and compelled to do it. And that that's what keeps you going forward when it's like, oh, why am I doing this? I should just go get a job. Yep. <laughs> Instead, you're feeling like, 
no, you come back to your why. I know that I'm good at this and that I am passionate about it and that I'm giving something that's a value to somebody and that that's what gets you through those tough times. That's um, that's really good advice. Thank you. It's funny, like, I think to touch on that money or your financial position is always relative to the current circumstances um, that surround your, your life or your lifestyle at that point in time. So uh, because it's always relative, it's almost not worth focusing on entirely you should be focusing on what really makes you happy uh, and then the financial situation kind of looks after itself at that um, at whatever point in time you want to look at so yeah it's great that you're encouraging people to focus on what they're passionate about what they're curious in um, and if you've got that hard work ethic then all all good things will come from it yeah it should all come together if you've got those components beautiful Thank you very much, Twyla, for spending time with with us today. And I look forward to seeing all the great things that Helm is going to be doing around the world. Uh, (laughs) And maybe we can get Kelvin on here at some point as well. Maybe. You'll have to definitely do censored if he comes on. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thanks very much. Thank you.